Good morning. I'm, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church um, at 3646 Central Avenue. And um, before we get started today, um, Phil mentioned um, this uh, relationship we have with 658. Um, this is uh, our meeting place at 3646 Central Avenue, but this is the 658 Center. And um, so we appreciate what God is doing through 658 and um, pulling this off and providing a place for us to minister to and minister with them together. You may have seen the clothing store out there, um, and it's already started up during the week. So I've been in here getting my office straight, and all these people coming in here from different nations. I don't know what's going on, you know. They're saying things to me, and I'm saying things back to them. You know, and, and when you're dealing with a language barrier, in ignorant fashion, you say it louder. <laughs> Over there. <laughs> and then someone, she doesn't understand what you're saying. Okay. Over there. It's not. But what, what happened is I came out of my office and I was like, this is a little overwhelming. Look at what the Lord is doing. People come in for ESL classes, people coming in and, and watching the, the clothing uh, store work and people coming in and picking out clothes and folk hanging out on the lobby and not knowing what country they're from. I'm just like, this is a little much. I stopped Dustin. I was like, Dustin, this, is it going to be like this all week long? This is unbelievable. I can't live like this, you know? <laughs> it's just... It's just overwhelming to me to see the nations come, and through a ministry like 658, God ministered to them, and I'm like, I think I'll just hang out here all day um, in the lobby and try to talk to people. Um, but uh, I want to recognize uh, 658 and um, Dustin. <laughs> oh, I've said this before. As a black man, I've been waiting to say this all my life. Dustin Whitey. Swineheart. Um, I said it publicly and it wasn't a racial slur um, because isn't that what they call you? Whitey. Okay. Um, but if Dustin, if you and your staff could stand up, I know you guys are here today. Please stand up. We just want to recognize and thank you for what. And uh, you guys, if you just step in here during the week, especially between 10 and 1, it, it's, it's hopping around here. Um, so I praise God for that. As we turn to this scripture this morning, I am preaching one off. Um, we are starting a sermon series in Habakkuk next week. But today I think it's important for us to recognize what God is doing today. What God is doing today and has done this scripture describes the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant into the new temple. It had taken seven years for Solomon in about 1000 BC to build the temple of God in Jerusalem. It took lots of resources, lots of expertise, lots of people, lots of sacrifice and giving. And with it, a lot of anticipation for the day when God's very presence in the Ark of the Covenant would finally move into his new house. 
Now, of course, God is not trapped or confined geographically or limited geographically by having a house. It just meant that in the temple for these people, according to his promises to them, that that he would visit them and that they would be able to visit him in a heightened and peculiar way, God came to them in a house that he allowed them to build for their sake for their ability to come together to worship this transcendent God, to fellowship with him and each other. As we read in the Ark of the Covenant at this point, there were two tablets that the commandments were written on, given to Moses at Mount Sinai. But the Ark also contained a real manifestation of God's presence and glory. Some of you who are old enough remember the Indiana Jones movie when they opened that thing, remember? And the faces melted off? Yeah, that. Some of you watch that more than you read the Bible, so I'm just trying to give you some perspective. But after seven years of hard work and labor, building the temple in a a week of joy and celebration, this was what they were waiting for. God coming home to them. God showing up in a real way. It was time to festival. And though most of us claim to want a tangible experience of God and his work among us, when it comes to some of us, me included, when it comes time for it to happen, we miss it because we don't know what or why to do in this kind of atmosphere like we have here today in this new place with, with joy riding high and, and your senses wide open. Well, well, this passage gives our hearts and minds some direction for a God festival, for a time to have an all-out full experience of, of celebrating our God, to be called by God's king in small part Solomon then and fully and completely Jesus our king now, to festival, to what the word originally meant, to come, to celebrate and honor your God, which means to see your God at work, to say what your God has done, and finally be moved by your God's real presence, a festival, a celebration of worship. What made the procession of the ark a a festival in large part was the ability to see God's presence among them. This was important, to be able to see the ark, to see it carried up into the temple. And then look at what happens in verse 8. And the poles were so long, they would would carry the ark of the covenant on these these long poles, not to make the mistake again of it following, following in the street and somebody trying to hold it up and dying. But, But they had these poles that were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside, and they are there to this day. After the ark was placed inside the temple, it was put into the most holy place, which was covered up with a curtain, and only the high priest could go in there with with God's ark and presence. But this verse is saying there, there is what I would describe a visual grace going on, where you could at the very least see 
the poles, right? The long ones that went through the ark to carry it, sticking out either because the curtain was too short on either side or because the poles were so long that they made the curtains push out a bit. But along with being able to see the ark was this grand assembly of people around the event especially the elders and priests called up in procession, the spiritual and tribal leaders called and summoned by Solomon, representing their people and tribes going before the ark. And then all around that procession, all the different people from different tribes of Israel gathered around, gathered by God's work and presence all around. What a sight to see, right? What, a, what, some, what an amazing thing to sense. We're all fans of something, right? I'm a fan of some things, right? <sighs> How did I get the orange one today? Right? We, 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 we all like being around that thing or, or celebrations of that thing that make you believe more. Some of us more than we should in our chosen fanaticism. Some get that feeling when, that, that what you believe is that much more true and right and are drawn deeper in at conventions. Some of you are Trekkies. Y'all some weird people. I'm married to one. I don't know how many times you can see the next generation over and over and over. And don't be married to a Trekkie who has a sister that's a Trekkie. And they get together, and those folk, weird, they want to wear that gold shirt with the little tab on it that you're talking to. And when they do, they like, we believe, like, Star Trek is real. That's not the prime directive, and all kind of crazy stuff. Some of you go to the comic book stuff. I went to the comic book place with my boys. Folk dressed up like superheroes, folk acting silly. Well, you know, that's volume number one, and that's not the, man, please comic book nerds. Some of you go to the craft store, that little arts thing. Okay. And, you know, you go to Michael's to get something real quick, and these people in there talking about and gathering these branches and other stuff and, and glue and felt, that they're going to make a shirt and a hat out of it. And, and when it's not a shirt or a hat, it's an it's a ornament for Christmas or something like that. I like to get my stuff already made at Walmart, right? Or sometimes it's at a music store. And for many of us, especially me, it's a home football game with all the colors and music and cheers and the stadium itself, right? But you actually say crazy stuff at the game like, and I've said it, it really looks like we're going to win today. I've said that before every game. Y'all remember they did that big, those who watched the Florida State-Clemson game last year, they did that big montage, Clemson showing the buses going around, running down the hill. Man, it looked like we were going to win today. We say crazy things like, I got a good feeling about today's game, right? We say that. The Bible says this in verse 10 through 11. When the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled 
the house of the Lord, the glory cloud, the cloud that was a physical manifestation of God's presence exposed on the scene. And you could just imagine the sight and the sense of it all and excited God's people to be a part of that sensory overload. And it helped them recognize our God is here, I believe. And we today at Christ Center Church don't have cannons going off at worship and clouds, and we don't have an Ark of the Covenant up in here today, but, but today is special because God has given us some of what I would describe of, we, we have a, a, a glorious dec- declarative and, and what I would describe as a spiritually intoxicating architecture right now. We in this new space that, that we work to, with 658 to, to help design and build according to how we believe God's presence and ministries would occupy and manifest in this church. I mean, I just walked around in the size of the rooms. I was doing my feet and all. Wow, look at what God has done. Went down the hall, counting classrooms. One, two, three, four, five. Amen. Thank you, God. Just counting and looking around and, and looking at windows. Wow, we have light in our sanctuary. And, and wow, you know, when the guys are turned on the sound, woo, I just was going crazy in here. I wish some of you were here. Dare I say it, God has a home. And today in a peculiar way, he comes home here to 3646 Central Avenue as the God who promises to humble himself by grace like Christ did to be where his people are, to manifest where his people have built to gather with him and be before him. Don't let this day and this facility that God has provided for us to build and pay for and wait in anticipation to pass you by without a shout of thank you, without some tears, without some festival. And as your pastor and with the leaders of this church, we will do everything we can in the way we talk about and see and celebrate God for and in this place to not let it pass you by and for you not to let it pass you by without acknowledging that God has done this, that God is in this thing and in this place. It is time for a festival driven by the physical manifestation of God in the building. Yes, in the building. And this is nothing new. Even when we were back at the neighborhood theater, whether through the baptisms or the Lord's Supper, through through just seeing and being next to each other, real people whom God really dwells in, like the temple, like the Ark of the Covenant, always before you. And God in the spiritual life of his church reaches us and calls us to participate with him in his glory through physical means, through sensible means, through a sensible exposure to his glory. But captioned with the words of his promise that say to us, where you go, I will go. That I am your God and you will be my people for real. In particular today, I want you to feast your eyes on this building and us in it. 
It and us in its real presence today means that God's king has summoned us here to do one thing, to worship him. This place means God is committed to caring for and leading and guiding your life and reaching this community. It means that God is here and at work and in this church and others' lives and your life too, and you are called to actually see it. But a festival is not only about seeing it, seeing and sensing God's presence and work. It is about saying it and declaring it and having it being heard. So you've got this sensory overload of people gathering here in Jerusalem and gathering and the ark, of the ark coming and the cloud blowing up and it all should, should make sense. But God wants it more than make just sense, right? He wants it said and heard and received. In other words, God does not call us to a festival to determine for ourselves and possibly get it twisted or lower its significance by our own understanding. I like to say that God provides caption for what we are all captivated by. Look at what happens here after the procession and, and placement of the ark happens in verse 10. It says, we already read that, the glory cloud comes in and fills the house and it knocks the priests out of the way. It says this, then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David, my father, saying... Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be forever. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build a house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David, my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have provided a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. The Bible says that Solomon turned to the people and bless them with the words of God. And those words make some things clear about why they should festival about and in this place and around the ark and why they should be excited about this golden box. That you are a blessed people. That God has chosen you from all the people of the world to be with, to live with, to be among, to bless with his presence, to stay with you, to promise, though you are no better than anyone else in and of yourself, that by grace, 
to make you people holy and be your God and never leave or forsake you and call you into relationship with him unlike any other people on the earth, not because you're good, but because he is good and his king was good for you, that God is going to be true and right and love you no matter what. Solomon is saying and declaring this is who and how your God is. He is holy and exalted and lifted up. And yet at the same time, he is filled with mercy and willing to, to, to lower himself, to humiliate himself for your good. And for that, he deserves to be seen and take center stage in our lives. The saying and hearing of it all, seeing the beautiful temple and the ark was a call to worship the Lord, to festival on who the Lord was and what he had done. But it was also a blessing, right? It was a sermon. It was the gospel preached, a life caption, an explanation that says, of, uh, says who we are and, and that we were sinners and, and God is and was and will be a savior of sinners and father of his people. And not only does and should that set off praise, it changes us. It blesses. It puts an indelible debt into us. What we do, it, it paints and captions and frames our hearts with an impression of God. It's a seal, right? It's a mark. It's a verbal tattoo that signs and marks our hearts and minds with what we have seen and should be seeing and looking and thinking about as we see and experience it. I like going to museums. I like listening to some experimental kind of music stuff. I was an English major in college. You'd be reading these poems. You don't be knowing what that thing talking about. <laughs> you'd be going to the museum and you'll see look like somebody just threw some paint on something. This painting's going for $50,000. <laughs> yeah, right. He got over on you. We were in Baltimore once, we went to this art exhibit, and it was like, like a panty, what was it, a pantyhose exhibit? What, what was that thing? And so all the artists made stuff out of the pantyhose material. And it was this thing where they had the bouncy thing. Y'all, it was just like this tube, this pantyhose tube, you're supposed to take your shoes out and walk through it. And they wanted somebody to buy this, to put in their house. And one time we went in, and then they had the, 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 the house fixtures one. They had a toilet on the wall upside down. It was painted blue and purple and something else. And, and it, like, what, how are you supposed to use this thing? And you know, when you're, when you're in college, it's just two thoughts. You're supposed to know the history so you understand what the guy's talking about. And then there's that other thought. How does it make you feel? What do you think it means? Huh? You're interacting with this thing, and that's what we were told when we went through the pantyhose. You're just supposed to interact with it. And when you come out the other end, you've experienced what the artist wants you to experience. I need somebody to tell me what it means. <laughs> what does this mean? What were you thinking when you built this? Why are we walking through the pantyhose? Why is the toilet upside down and purple? What's going on, man? And some of y'all out there, y'all so smart. But what it really means, no, nah, I don't mean that. You made that up. 
This is not the way God's stuff works. His, his word is a kiosk, right? It's a plaque explaining things. And so you have this big sensory overload going on in Israel. The ark is coming, this golden box, clouds exploding on people. And it's not like God says, I want you to kind of figure out what to do with this. This building does not stand in its own beauty, and we won't let it. It's only worth anything if it is captive, placated, right? Signaled and explained by the gospel. This building does not define itself and it does not define us or God. It must have in it the hearing and the singing and the doing and the saying and the preaching of the gospel message that tells us what it means to be his and what it means that he is yours. We tell the same story every week. Wow, I have a great job. I just tell you the same thing every week, right? So, so that you take on the, the right narrative and story for your lives based on all the experiences, right and wrong, to bring you back to the truth, to clarity, to honor, and to God. And for this first day in the new facility, that we would, for lack of a better word, baptize it, right, with worship and preaching and teaching and loving each other baptizing it by blessing God over the new mics and in the new seats and in the new hallways and classrooms, letting the gospel resonate and shape and shake its walls with holiness and purpose. But finally, it's not a festival without some emotion and some motion without the E, Right? Ready, Presbyterians? That God calls us to act out. To act up. That was bad when you were a kid, acting up. My dad's here today. He'll tell you. Don't act up. That's how he said it in Charleston, without the T. <laughs> Quit acting up. But this is a chance for you to act up to be moved by him and his work among us. In this passage, there is all this movement, right? There is acting out. Look at verse 3 and 5 with me, if you will. 3 through 5. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up, and the king Solomon, all the congregation of Israel who assembled before him, were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. And then back to the glory cloud thing in verse 10 and 11. What we see is a call to move your life. To be moved and emote and act out on who God is and what he has done among you. To sing, to obey, to walk for and with God, right? To lift your hands and voices in worship, to pray to him. The sacrificing meant that people brought an overload of sheep and goats and their best to sacrifice to the Lord, believing that God was there to hear and answer their prayer. When we come together to worship, it is time to move. 
and bring our lives forward to, to wear and carry like they did those sheep and goats to, to bring all of our hopes and failures and dreams and what like many of them have been waiting for at least seven years of their lives in a temple to, to bring all that you have personally and community-wise have been working for and expecting from God to emotionally bring it and lay it and your heart all out before the Lord to move your life and its stuff in play in the presence of the Lord, sights and sound and word and worship to like they did in being there in sacrifices to get up in the morning and bring it all in expectation that God will be there and answer and hear you and see you. Come to see, but come to let God see you and touch you. What if I were to tell you Jesus was going to be here this morning? For real, right? Some of y'all wouldn't come. This the first Jesus or the second one? This the one on the mule or this the one on the, on the horse with the sword? Wait, I'm not preaching Revelation where his robe is dipped in blood and the blood's like four or five feet high. But we're not getting into that. But you would bring something. You would come with anticipation. You're going to meet God. You see, back then they really believed God's presence was in that ark. And we should really believe God's presence is here when his people gather together in his name. Think about what anticipation and hope you should get up with in the morning. You know, you can't make it on your own. God never intended for you to try to make it through your work week on your own. He intended on the Sabbath day that we would come into this place, Allah the temple, let's just call it that, and bring our hopes and dreams and broken feelings and, and all the hurts and, and bring them here expecting God to meet us. Some of us come and we say, I just don't feel God. I don't feel it. You know, sometimes you got to move it to feel it. And do it to know it. I had a professor in seminary talking about obeying like therapy for our, us lethargic Christians. Right? He, we would say, you know, he said, he was preaching from one of the books of the Bible, and um, he was teaching us at seminary from the Bible, and, um, and he was saying, you know, Christians have this feeling that they don't know if they can obey unless they feel a spirit first, right? He says, you know, sometimes y'all just need to obey first, Right? Sometimes you got to, you know, you know it's true. Sometimes you got to move in first and it's amazing what happens. You, you, you know, like someone who does physical therapy, I can't move my arm no more. It's stuck. What do they do? They wrench that thing. They move it for you. Why you ain't got full motion of the knee? Yeah, you do. You know, it kind of, you know, I don't like that full motion, but we're going to get it. When I went to the doctor for my feet, what's wrong? It don't work. See, it's fine. When I do it. The call to festival and worship is spiritual therapy. And like physical therapy, it moves and calls you to move in ways that are stiff and painful for you. Because it's hard for us to remember 
and know the range of our thanks and emotions before God. This is a time like it was in Israel that day and week to be moved. It was a day that maybe some hard things could finally be shaken off. And no, I am not the pastor that would tell you to chase mountaintop experience or rainbows so you can feel good with God. But when you are on the mountaintop, Right? When you have a chance like today to be on the mountaintop and at the end of the rainbow, like on a day like today, it is right and okay to be emotional. To let the joy inside make you motion on the outside. To let the outside help us inside shake a little loose. To let what's on the inside shake a little loose the outside. Amen? Lord have mercy. So when we sing these last couple songs and we come to the Lord's Supper and we give our offering we, and we have our food time afterwards, it's okay to be a little extra. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. All right. Woo! Hug somebody. Act like you're at the game, man. For some of you who are in the sports, act like you at the game. Act like you at your convention. Hey, what's up? Hey, woo! You be loving people, you don't even know them. I'm serious, it's like instant family in the football stands, ain't it? You'll be happy, you'll be extra, people be painting themselves, acting stupid. It's time to act a little stupid today. Because God's been good. But this festival is less about our motion and more about our response to God's motion. With the ark presence, and of course what Solomon says about God traveling around with them in the tent of the meeting, the temple was portable before Solomon built this. And, and God would travel around with them through the desert in their nomadic days as a people. As a matter of fact, that was another object uh, brought into the temple that day in the celebration, the tent. But it really happens in dramatic fashion with the glory cloud says that they brought that ark in there. I don't know if they were expecting it. You know, sometimes God surprises you, right? Like, like this week when I went out with, when 658 was doing their ministries, right? You know me. I'm looking at things, wondering what's going on. What's happening around here? The guy's working on the lights. What's going on? It's going to be ready for Sunday. What, what's happening? And I see these people coming for ESL. And I see them with the Jesus Storybook Bible. I, I, I see folk getting close, and I'm like, that's it. I don't know what to do. I'm getting goosebumps. What, what, what's wrong with me? And Dustin's like, yeah, man. <laughs> this always happens around here. I'm like, I can't take it. Sometimes you see God move. And God is saying it is not your emotion that makes a difference, but my acts and actions and emotions and feelings toward you that makes a difference and calls you to respond with your emotions and emotions. That there is no sacrifice without a merciful God that has come and offered forgiveness of sins. There is no relationship as God's people if he didn't stop Abraham one day and make a covenant and then rescue them from Egyptian slavery after seeing and hearing their prayers and remembering his promise. There would be no festival if God himself had not walked with them, and I want to say carried them and kept them alive in the desert, there is no act or action or ministry or home or help for broken people like you and me if God did not show up. 
In this glory cloud act here in verse 10, 11, God reminds us and them that the festival is ultimately God's show. And God showing up and God acting and being spotlighted and highlighted by us. In the festival praise, we set the stage like they did for God to use the space in this place, in our hearts and minds, to move and act out. We say, here is what you've given us to display your glory, Lord. Now glory, come on down. Rushing wind of God blow through and in and among this people in this place. Use it to move, Holy Spirit. We festival also like they did, as Solomon explains, because God has done some marvelous things. If you won't say it for yourself, I'm your pastor, and I look at some of y'all faces, and I know some of your lives, and let me tell you something. God has done some marvelous things. I'm looking at y'all sitting here. Some of y'all shouldn't even be sitting here. Some of y'all, it feels like an accident y'all in here. Some of your friends and your family looking at, how they end up in there? What happened to them? Because God has done marvelous things and he is good to you and me and that is enough right there. But we festival because God has done some wonderful things in your life. God has come and moved some issues and some addictions and some problems and some discrepancies and some sicknesses and some sin and some real mess in your lives and upstage those things to be your God and so you can be loved and pulled out of futility and injury and brokenness by him. That's all right. I'll preach a testimony for you. Because if you're crazy enough not to know God's been good to you, then I'm going to go ahead and be crazy right now and let you know God's been good to you. We festival. Because after 10 years, God has given us this at this time to praise him and glorify him and be ministered to by him and reach the world through him. We festival because like the history of this building, as Phil talked about, some of us here have felt like we sat on the market for years. What seemed like no movement from the outside or on the inside, we were wasting away. We festival because like this building that started out as a skating ring and then became an Asian food market and a nail place, we have gone through many changes not knowing what and some of you still not knowing where your life is going or going to be. Some of us have suffered living with all kinds of trash building up on the inside and feeling unuseful and at some points even felt like we were better off dead, condemned, cleared out and leveled. We festival today. Because God was at work behind the scenes. Bringing together what should not have worked for you. Bringing together what was too much for us to pay for ourselves without some of you knowing in in eternity past and somewhere in the mind and heart of God like this building, God developed a plan. A blueprint for your life and God worked out a way to miraculously buy us to take us off the market that we could be his fully and used and remade and restored and reclaimed for his glory. 
We festival today because you, as you look around this place for Christ Central Church, 10 years in the making, without us even knowing it, God had a glorious plan for our broke down, sometimes forgotten lives, whether you are his and will come to him today or tomorrow, tomorrow, whether you're a believer struggling with issues and problems and waiting and wanting for your change to come or God to finally inhabit your life in a certain way or an unbeliever, God in his king, not Solomon, but Christ brought and was God's plan of salvation for you, for beautification of your life, for glory of your life. Don't get the story of this building twisted. I think Solomon made it fairly clear. We did not give it to God to dwell. God gave it to us so that he could dwell with us. This is God's gift to us more than it is our gift to him. And like the ark, God came in Christ, right? came so that he could dwell with his people. And if Christ, God's final king, final ark of the covenant, he has come and lives with us, we can and should festival. Because it means through Jesus we are and will be redeemed, restored, reclaimed, revived, remembered, and renewed. And in this place today, and as, for lo as long as we are here, we festival and celebrate that truth. Today in this place, I not only invite and entreat you, but I command you by God's grace, because you can see, because you can know, because God has come to in Christ, I command you to festival before the Lord to celebrate his goodness, to give him a hand clap of praise, to lose it in here a little bit for God's goodness. It is time, God's people, to festival before, the God, before God because God has been good to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that sometimes it's just time to festival.